And the phrase I keep coming back to is something I, I tell people when I give advice or spiritual direction often. I often say, if you can't say no, then your yes means nothing. Now, I don't know if you've heard, but in the aftermath of everything that happened at the Oscars, um, Will Smith went missing. Yeah, nobody's been able to find him. So they had to hire this professional tracker, and he ended up being able to uh, to locate Will Smith. Uh, he was in a, a, a very uh, kind of remote, snowy area up north uh, in Alaska. And the media asked him, you know, how did you how did you find Will Smith? How did you locate him? So many people were looking for him. And he said, oh, it's easy. You just follow the Fresh Prince. I know that one was pretty cringy. Uh, welcome to episode 110. Uh, so great to be back with you. And reminder, if you have not rated and reviewed this podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you are listening to this, that would be so helpful for other people to find this podcast. And if it's have been been of benefit to you, it might be of benefit to someone else. We'd love for you to share this podcast on social media, especially on Instagram. Tag us at Mana Food for Thought. And visit our website, uh, manafoodforthought.com. There's a ton of content on there, all of our podcasts, all of our blogs, our old vlogs, our new Bible studies, everything. And you can become a financial financial uh, sponsor, patron of this podcast for as little as $1 a month if you click on the Patreon tab and you get some some special things once I figure out what those are. So I really got to do that. I know I've been saying that for a long time. And if you're a patron on this, you guys are so awesome. I cannot believe that you're continuing to support this. I'm so grateful for you. You keep the podcast going. We need more to keep expanding the podcast. And we'd love for you to join that team. But I need I really need to do something super special for you guys. So know that that is in the works. And if that's a little enticement for you to join the ranks, perhaps, of the patrons, then maybe you should. But anyways, enough about that business stuff. Let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy this week is that this past week we had a staff day, a staff outing with all the people that I work with, most of them. I was really sad that a couple people couldn't be there. Um, But most of us were able to go on this awesome staff outing, got to spend the day together, and it was just really, really wonderful. Um, I work with a great team of people at the church where I minister at, and you know, there's just, I've never really been involved and I've never really seen any other church staff kind of get along in, in such a family-like way that we do. There's always kind of these this infighting, this siloing, this kind of resentment sometimes, you know, lack of space, resources, money, whatever it might be, and that can get very contentious. But you just don't have that here, and I, I'm just really grateful for that. So, uh, and another little joy is uh, this past week, we our stroller has been broken for a while. We can still use it, but it's like, if it like, comes loose the whole stroller like tries to fall apart with our kids in it and that's not very safe so uh and they're they're getting bigger but our younger our son levi still needs to be contained a lot of times when we're out um and so we bought one of those kid wagons and my kids love it they just go crazy for it so that's been a huge joy to see them just like going nuts and the wagon is like super cool and it collapses even smaller than the stroller did so super excited about that anyways uh junk um, praise God, nothing really in my personal life. Um, but there's been a lot of intense things happening in just my local community. We've had two fires in the past week. One was the devastating coastal fire that took, I think like 20 homes and, uh, damaged several others and evacuated several people. It's still 90% contained. The fire is out, but hundred percent contained basically means like 
it's out, it's done. No more firefighters are even responding to anything. Um, so right now it's just kind of cleaning up, going through the brush, making sure everything's wet and all the embers are out and stuff like that. But just yesterday, as I'm recording this, there was another small vegetation fire, um, not too far, uh, even closer to where I live. So uh, that got put out right away, it seems. But um, still, that's been going on. And uh, you probably heard of the local uh, church shooting in Orange County that happened very near uh, to the church where I work at and minister at. This was, a, I believe, a Presbyterian church, um, and it was an Asian community. It was a hate crime. Um, that was perpetrated there, but one person um, was killed, and he was someone well-known in the community, a doctor, a doctor to many of the parishioners uh, at St. Timothy's, and so uh, it was a very hard loss and very difficult, stressful week and um, high-intensity you know, week for a lot of people here in this area. So if you could just pray for all those people who've lost their homes, all those people who are just afraid or anxious, all those people who were the victims of that shooting tragedy and several of the other ones, the recent shooting in Buffalo, and it seems that's been like escalating these past few weeks there have been several so um yeah just continue to pray for peace for uh, mental health for you know all of the things safety all the things that are needed in those different situations and my jesus moment finally is i know i say bible study a lot but last last night as i'm recording this was was bible study and we had such a rich theological discussion that there was like 10 people who stayed after and asked questions and it was just so great uh, and maybe now I'm thinking about it, maybe it was just because I didn't explain things very well but <laughs> and they needed clarification. But it seemed to me like there was just a lot of good, exciting energy around studying the Bible, studying our faith. And there's so many young adults and older adults who come in this kind of intergenerational Bible study. And it's just so great to see. And it's been growing um, slowly and continuously, always having new people coming. And it's just really, really awesome to see. So. Um, yeah, if you live in the Orange Southern Orange County area and you're free on Monday nights, please come. We'd love to have you. Um, email me and I can give you those details. So <clears throat> today, what I want to talk about is just, I, I don't know why this really came on my heart, but I was really praying about the podcast this week and and um, there's a lot of other things I could talk about probably. Things going on in the news, things going on locally and how to respond to those things. And but I, I just, I don't know, I felt the need to really just talk about the value of setting boundaries. And I think this is something that we don't do very well, especially as Christians. You know, we, we think being kind and being generous means like, okay, I've got to commit, I've got to volunteer, I've got to commit all this time, all of this, you know, money or all this energy, whatever it might be, um, you know, to do good things. And yes, we want to serve, we want to, you know, serve our parish, our family, our community, our friends, all of those things, the people in need. But um, we cannot do that to the detriment of our own need for health, mind, body, and soul, our own need for rest, our own need to be fed by the Lord. And so there's something to be said about setting boundaries. Um, you know, I couldn't find it for this podcast, but there used to be this, this little handout or this little kind of poster of all the times in Scripture where Jesus says no. You know, where someone says, uh, you know, Lord, let me... Uh, I want to follow you, but let me go bury my father first. You know, Jesus basically says no, or, you know, these different ways where he's just like, no, you know, that's not the way it is. Or when people are asking Jesus for a sign or asking him to reveal themselves to him in more direct terms, and he just says no, because he knows that they're looking for something malicious or something self-serving. And he's just very good at setting boundaries. And also all the times in scripture where Jesus goes off by himself to pray. Jesus is God. You know, he doesn't need necessarily to do that, yet he models it as the perfect human because if there were such thing as a perfect human other than Jesus, 
that person would also pray. It would. It's part of what it means to be perfected, is to be in a perfect relationship, perfect obedience to God. And so it's natural that Jesus would do that, and he, he teaches us in doing so that that is a priority for each one of us because the apostles constantly find him or come to him in those moments. They obviously knew that he did that. And so setting aside that time, like you can't out-disciple Jesus. You can't outdo Jesus in these different areas of life. And so I think it's very important to just like talk about setting boundaries, prioritizing what matters most in your life. And the phrase I keep coming back to is something I, I tell people when I give advice or spiritual direction often. I often say, if you can't say no, then your yes means nothing. If you can't say no, then your yes means nothing. So what do I mean by that? Well, when it comes to work, you know, if I'm saying if I'm saying yes to every single commitment, if I'm saying yes to every project, every opportunity, you know, I want to be seen well by the people I work with or the people I work for, be considered for a promotion. Well, eventually, if I keep saying yes, then I'm going to be spread so thin that the quality of my work is not going to be an emphatic yes. In fact, it could cause more problems. And so um, if I can't say no, then what my yes actually means is less than it's devalued. It doesn't mean anything because I say yes to everything. I let everything in and I do it all mediocrely and I let other things in my life suffer and that affects my own mental, physical, spiritual health. Uh, when it comes to prayer, you know, if I can't say no to everything else going on in my life to prioritize time for prayer and really set, set aside that time to sit with the Lord, then when I finally, you know, I'm overwhelmed and like finally I'm able to come to the Lord and have some prayer. Yes, God values every time we come to him. I'm not saying that our prayer means nothing, but it's going to it's going to be a lot less fruitful if I'm not allowing that time to really be set aside. If I'm not saying no to other things. That's what Lent is really all about. Is saying no to certain things so that I can say yes to the right things. That's what real fasting is supposed to look like. You know, we're not supposed to give something up. We don't give up TV and then just replace that time with video games. We don't give up chocolate and just replace that with potato chips. We say no to unhealthy habits and practices when we fast or abstain from things so that we're freed up with more time, money, energy, whatever, to be able to do the things that matter. And at the end of a season like Lent, it's not that we're meant to go back to those bad habits. Instead, it means that we've been more conformed to the person that God is calling us to be. And from that point forward, we can continue being very disciplined, regimented, or completely remove whatever it is that we wanted to fast or abstain from because it's not good for us. Those are the types of things we should be fasting from when we fast or abstaining from when we abstain. <clears throat> because that's about saying no to the right things so we can say yes to the right thing. Or saying no to the wrong things so we can say yes to the right things in our life. Uh, and so discerning what are the things I need to say no to, because if I can't say no, then my yes means nothing. I'm spread too thin. I often give this advice when it comes to relationships and particularly chastity. You know, like a lot of people are encouraged to be sexually active before they get married. And it's kind of this question like, why should I wait? Why should I wait until I get married? Well, if you can't say no now, then your yes on your wedding night means nothing. You know, if you say yes too early, then your wedding night is just another part of the routine. You know, it's not like... I was willing to sacrifice and wait for you. You know, there's no proof of that, you know? So there's no, the, the beauty of waiting is that the spouses or the future spouses teach one another that they have the capacity, the willingness, and the discipline to sacrifice for the other and say no for the other. And it, it strengthens relationships. It helps 
uh, build faithfulness. It helps reduce things like divorce and adultery and all these other things that might come into a marriage because the couple has individually and collectively built a pattern of behavior, a habit of learning how to say no so that they can say yes to something bigger. Okay? This is all about saying no for the greater yes. Every time you say no to something, you say yes to something else. Uh, this is in Scripture. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 37. He says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. So we can't kind of bounce around and be flexible or nuanced with like, oh, maybe I'll do this, maybe I won't. We have to really discern like, okay, no, what are my boundaries? What are the things that I want to prioritize each and every day? And what are the things that just don't matter? You know, they, or they maybe matter, but they don't matter as much as I'm telling myself they matter or that other people think they matter. You know, if you have a job where you have to be on call 24 seven, that I, I can't imagine any job where that is completely necessary and someone else can't be around on those off hours to do that. You know, a lot of those jobs are more about making money and that money always has to be made. A deal always has to be like on the verge of closing so you don't lose that momentum. And it's all about kind of selfish monetary um, gain. But even people like nurses and doctors, like they're not on call 24-7. They have days or seasons or, you know, a week where they might be the on-call person. Uh, at least that's my understanding. But it's not like 24-7 all the time. Like they know when they're on call. Same thing with flight attendants. Like I have a very close friend who's a flight attendant. Um, you know, she's not on call 24-7. She knows the certain days, weekends, or weeks where she's the on-call person. If there's an extra person needed, someone calls in sick, etc. You know, so, but even in that case, like really being able to say no. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered, you know, people in ministry, people uh, involved in different things who, when it comes to work, they're just like, oh, I can't go. I work. You know, I got called into work. I'm like, well, your work doesn't rule your life. Like this idea. When people say that phrase to me, I got called into work. It just blows my mind that like, like your work is your boss. Like you're, you're allowing your work to run your life. Like just say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. I'm off today. You know, I can't come in. You know, I get it if you need the money and you want to. But if you have certain commitments and priority, priorities, things that you want to do or that, that matter, then nothing should get in the way of that. It doesn't matter if they're understaffed or if so-and-so called in sick. It's not your responsibility. You don't own the business. You don't sign a contract saying that I will come in whenever and however at whatever time my boss says. No, you give them your availability, and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And if it doesn't work for them, yes, they're free to let you go, but they're not a slave. Can't, you can't be treated like a slave. You know, They're not slave drivers, and if they treat you that way, then you, you need a better job. You know, so it's about setting those boundaries. And I, I've done this, you know, in coming out of COVID, like the first year of the pandemic, like I was, it was awful. Like I had just, I had terrible anxiety, health-related anxiety. I was having pains and all of these different things. I was going to therapy, going to the hospital often, and I was overwhelmed at work. I was in charge of way too much and running way too many things simultaneously. And I just had to say like, no, like as of this day, I'm no longer doing this. And I slowly from that point reorganized my schedule, you know, was able to say no to like that loophole or that door opening back again to certain areas of ministry and saying like, no, I no longer want to supervise these ministries. I want to move completely into this type of role and being able to negotiate that, being able to negotiate my work week and be like, you know what, 
based on what I need to get done in the office and where I'm needed at home, I need to work one day remote and approaching, you know, my, my pastor about that and him being totally cool with that, seeing that I do good quality work that my work would not suffer and maybe need to negotiate something like that. And maybe that seems intimidating, but to be able to say like, look, you know, I, I am fully capable of doing eight hours worth, like this eight hours worth of stuff, not in the office. And I'd like to maybe pilot with you for probationary purposes, you know, maybe a, a one month trial of me working remote one day a week and seeing if it creates any problems, if I'm not available for meetings, if it, you know, creates issues, if things don't get done. Um, I believe that I'll be even more productive. And most often people who work remote, even if their hours are much more flexible and it's not a solid eight hour block on that given day, they tend to be way more flexible because they know exactly when they can pay full attention to their work and there's less distractions in the workplace, like you're in a more comfortable place. If you can really commit to that time and making that effort, then you can be so much more productive and kind of set your own schedule that day uh, or multiple days. Some people have moved fully remote because of the pandemic. So if that's something that you need to negotiate, that's, you know, I, th I would encourage you to do that. But whatever this looks like in your life, the areas that you need boundaries, this might be a relationship or a friendship. Someone who's really encroaching in on your personal time, really needing a lot from you, really wanting a lot from you, uh, maybe not even giving a whole lot to the relationship, but really tr like just treats you as though you're, um, you know, a, a servant, a slave, a therapist, you know, just kind of an adventure pal, but doesn't really contribute in any, you know, um, meaningful way to a friendship and doesn't really have any sensitivity or care for your needs and the time that you need on your own. This can happen between people who are extroverts and introverts because extroverts get their energy from other people. Introverts get their energy restored when they're away from other people. And so this can be something that might need to be communicated about. You might need to know as an introvert, like I need to make sure that I have at least this many nights per week where I do not have a social function. And that can move around but I need to make sure that in between all those things, I have a night to myself. If you're an extrovert, maybe knowing like, this is how I get my energy. I can't be stuck in an office for eight hours. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm being creative in how I take my breaks or how I break up my work week or my work day and making sure you set those boundaries. Uh, if you have a family, especially a young family, young kids, if you're married, like making sure that you're communicating with your spouse, with your family, you know, is, is the amount of time that I'm in the office, like, and the, the days and times in which I'm in the office are those contributing or detracting from a valuable presence here in the home, you know? Um, maybe some of those hours can be done remotely at nighttime after the kids go to bed, or maybe they can, maybe you can wake up earlier and um, help kind of tag team the family stuff around the house and then get into work maybe a little bit early so you can get home for dinner, you know, whatever it is, you know, I think they're valuable questions to be reflected on. Um, when I was doing youth ministry and when I was getting my master's, I was gone five nights a week. And for a new married couple, like that's not, you know, it's not unheard of, not really like too bad or crazy terrible, but, um, you know, we didn't really get to see each other a whole lot except on our days off. Um, but once we had kids like that, it got way more complicated and I needed to make sure that I was being more present, helping my wife because we were no longer just these two kind of yeah, we were we were we're married, but we're still very independent. Like we can take care of ourselves, we can do our own thing, you know. And we're still married, obviously, but we don't need to be like we're not codependent in that sense. But when you have a child, you have someone who is codependent. Like you know, you they need you, you know, or someone who's fully dependent on you, not codependent. Um, and so that everything gets called into question and needs to change. So now I'm gone one night a week, 
you know, to run Bible study generally. Uh, and that's a huge difference. Uh, and, and all the other ministry that I do is on the weekends when people are here for Sunday worship for, for different services and stuff. Uh, and then the rest of the week is preparation, reviewing, communication, preparing, things like that. And so reorienting my schedule to where I still do a lot of the same amount of ministry face to face with people. But the times in which and the ways in which that's being done uh, and the way my schedule is kind of laid out has transformed. Um, and so this is really just about committing to saying yes to the right things, saying no to the wrong things. Uh, in Revelation chapter 3, in the vision that John has of God, um, God says, I know your works. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, that does have to do with like responding to God and believing in him. And it's, it's kind of strange to think about like God would rather you turn completely away from him or believe completely in him instead of just be stuck in the middle. But I think that also applies to like decisions and setting boundaries. Like when we say no, like it's just like, look, this doesn't work for me or uh, I can't do this. And I <clears throat> also giving yourself the freedom and the self-respect to not feel like you need to explain it or give the other person a reason. You know, just like, oh, I have a lot going on that day. That day's not going to work for me. You know, that's a simple enough explanation. Um, or, oh, can you come to this? No, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, but I would love to uh, connect with you another way. You don't have to give, I can't, I've got a hair appointment and all of this. Maybe I can move that around. Uh, maybe, you know, no. Like, if it's not going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. There are plenty of things people ask me to do where I look at my schedule and I might have an open block of time, meaning I don't have like a particular meeting or ministry event or a Zoom call scheduled, but I know that that's an open block of time where I have to get a certain amount of work done. And if I fill that, I'm not going to be able to do what is needed that day. And so I, I kind of block that off, even though it's not for any particular meeting or anything. It's just for me getting my general work done. And I make sure like I say no, you know, and sometimes that's hard. Um, you might have FOMO, fear of missing out on certain things, but like just earth to you, like you, you're missing out on 99% of things every day. Like, you know, people are living their lives, having conversations, there's stuff going on in the world that you're not part of. Like, you know, that's just happening. That's just part of life, you know? So it's about committing to and prioritizing the things that you really do not want to miss out on. You know, relationships, seeing your children grow up, spending quality time with your spouse or your family, making sure that what you do for a living is meaningful and brings value to the world and to you and that you are excited about it and that it doesn't detract from your well-being, but you feel like you're contributing something valuable to the world and you're using your gifts, your God-given gifts to do something great. Um, all of that, those are all things that need to be called into question uh, because things will change. You know, things will change over time and schedules will change and you can't always keep the same kind of mentality or carry one work ethic or type of schedule into the next because you can have some kind of uh, layovers of unhealthy practices that just hang on. Um, you know, in Revelation uh, 21, it was in the second reading recently um, at Mass uh, on, on one of these Sundays where, where God says, vision from the heavenly throne room when he's talking about uh, John is seeing this vision of a new earth and a new heaven being created at the end of time. God says, behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. And so you might look at your life right now, your schedule, your work, your relationships, and feel like, man, I am so overwhelmed. I am so busy. Like, there's no way that I can escape from this unless I just, like, completely quit everything or completely start from scratch. No, 
God can transform this. I mean, there's some stuff that can be automated, some stuff that can be delegated, some stuff that you don't even need to do anymore. And so it might be looking at, at your current work or your current life and doing what they call an 80-20 analysis. You know, like what 20% of what I do actually produces 80% of my fruit, 80% of the, the results. And what if I were to approach, let's say, my boss and say, you know, I'm noticing that 80% of what I do really bears no fruit and is just busy work. How would you feel if I focused 90 to 100% of my energy on this 20% of what I do now and I delegate, stop doing or automate the whole rest of this? Um, because that will increase my productivity, it will increase sales or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I guarantee you, encourage maybe a trial basis, you know, and be able to, to argue or articulate why the other 80% isn't meaningful or how it could be done in another way that doesn't involve you. Um, same thing is true in a relationship. If you're constantly reaching out, you know, in a lot of different ways, but you find like, you know, when we can really meet for coffee, even though it happens like a little less often, we really just like can reconnect and really, you know, it's much more vibrant in our friendship. Okay, well then let's stop trying to pretend that like all the other stuff is going to work, like our little texting chats or whatever, if that's not your thing. And let's just set like, I'd love to meet for you, with you for coffee once a week and just really be able to connect. Um, you know, Tony and Jenna, our good friends, Jenna, my previous podcast co-host uh, on this podcast, um, we're busy with growing families and jobs and all this stuff going on. We live relatively close, but, you know, we wouldn't see each other as often as we liked. And so we committed to, you know, like once a week, we're going to make sure that we have dinner together uh, at one of our homes. And we do that now. And it's so beautiful and fruitful. And it, it and then occasionally we get to see them more times. Like, you know, we'll have a play date with the kids at the park one morning or something like that. And so it's just, it's so beautiful and fruitful because we're prioritizing that stuff. Um, this is going to cost you something, you know, it's going to, it's going to be hard to say no to certain things, especially if you're a yes person. Uh, if it's hard for you to set boundaries, if you feel guilty or bad setting, no, saying no, um, you know, there's these moments in scripture where, you know, in Genesis chapter three, where Abraham is trying to bury his wife, Sarah, Sarah dies when she's 127. And he goes, um, to this, uh, group called the Hittites and he says, you know, I know I'm a foreigner among you, but um, can you sell me a place uh, as a burial place that I may bury my wife? And they're like, you're, you know, the Lord, like the God is with you. Like, just go take, take whatever land you need, bury your dead. And he's like, no, like I, I want to pay for it. I want to pay for it. Sell me this particular cave at the edge of this person's field. Um, let him, let this person sell it to me in your presence for full price. And they're like, you know, no, like, listen, like, you know, we, we, we want you to have this, bury your dead. And Abraham just insists. He's like, if you would please listen to me, like, I will pay you the price from the field, accept it from me. Um, and the, the guy says, look, like a piece of land, like worth like this much money, 400 shekels. What's that between you and me? Like, you know, I don't need the money. And Abraham continues to insist. Um, and he weighs out that much money. And he says like, you know, he gives it to him and, and sells it to him at that current market value because even though he could have accepted it for free, things that have value should cost us something. There's another great example of this when David is trying to build the temple or get the stuff ready for the temple, buy the land for the temple in, in First Chronicles 21. Uh, there's this person named Ornan who lives in that area. And he's threshing wheat um, on the threshing floor of his of his uh, barn or, his, you know, the I don't know what you would call a storehouse or whatever, where he's, uh, where he's doing that. And he sees David approach with some of his sons. And um, David asks him, 
sell me this, uh, this site of where your threshing floor is. We want to build an altar on it to the Lord. Um, actually, I don't think this is for the temple. I think this is when he's off, um, you know, creating a different space for him to worship. It could be when it was for the temple. I, my memory is not serving me well at the moment. But anyways, the same thing happens. Um, the guy says, take it. Like, you're the king. You know, let do what you want. I'll give you also ox, oxen for the burnt offerings. I'll give you uh, stuff for the wood. I'll give you wheat for the grain offerings. I'll give it all to you. And King David says, no, like I, I'm going to buy it from you properly at full price. I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor bring burnt offerings. It costs me nothing. Because if we want to offer something to God as authentic worship, it should cost us something. If we want to be present in the way that God is calling us to be present to the people in our life, to the relationships he's blessed us with, it shouldn't be just like an easy, yeah, yeah, I can just say yes to you like I'd say yes to anyone else. No, it should cost us something. And that cost is saying no to other things, prioritizing this, whatever it may be, a relationship, uh, time with family, leisure time, a hobby that you want to pursue, a passion project, like whatever it is that just like really brings you value, joy, peace, and all the fruits and good things of the Holy Spirit, like whatever makes you feel passionate about life, what matters most to you and the relationships that matter most to you, those should be the things that are at the top of your calendar where you are spending the most time, the most effort that you possibly can. Everything else then should get scheduled in around them. But we do the opposite. We look at work and we say, okay, work is nine to five, five days a week, and I got to do that. And so everything else will just fit around it. Does it have to be? Does it have to be? I mean, we're living in an increasingly flexible work environment type of world. And so maybe it's time to negotiate some of that. Uh, and there's some great resources out there to help you do that. Um, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss wrote a book, not a Catholic book, but a, a book called The Four Hour Work Week, um, where he brought, he was in charge of a, a you know, a, I think a high thousands or maybe multi million dollar business, I can't remember. And he was working like a crazy, insane amount of hours and was just like, look, like what if I just just was able to automate or delegate a bunch of this? And then I think he left on a trip for like, I don't know, like 13 months or something like he just left and just to give it a trial run. And he's like, if my company goes under, it goes under. Like I know what, you know, I know what will happen. And, uh, there, and, and it worked out and he created this whole business lifestyle series of books out of it. Um, but one of the things that he says in there is just kind of like, playing out in your mind the worst case scenario. Like what's the worst case scenario if I say no to this? And if that happens, is there anything I can do to prepare for that, mitigate it or address it beforehand? So that when it inevitably doesn't happen, I don't even have to worry about it, but it will ease my stress and anxiety a bit. And if on the off chance it does happen, I'm prepared for it. And it's actually, it can help me notice in preparing for it, this isn't actually as bad as it could be. And it's something to prepare for. You know, because in our mind, we have this idea that, okay, if I say no to this, like my life's going to end or the world's going to explode or everything's going to change and I'm going to lose my job, blah, blah, blah. And we catastrophize all of this. But when we're really rational about it and we're like, in a real world, what is the worst possible thing that could happen? And what would I do? What could I immediately do to help mitigate that if that does happen? And it brings it into a sense of like, what's real? What's practical? What can I control? And how do I recognize this isn't as big and scary as I thought it was? And so saying no is a practice that I would encourage you to start developing in your own life so that you can say yes to your relationships and especially your relationship with God, to prayer, to the disciplines and spiritual practices that you know you want to commit to. I don't know a single person who I've ever asked, do you want to know more about the Bible? Do you want to spend more time in scripture? 
who's been like, no, I, I know enough. No, like everybody does. Everybody does. But the excuse is I don't have more time. The same thing is true with prayer. Do you wish you had more time to spend in prayer? I've never, ever once, anyone I've ever asked that question, ever heard anyone say, no, nah, I, I think I spend enough. No, we always are desiring more. And a lot of that comes from the fact that we have a hunger for God, God that cannot be fully satiated here on earth. But part of it also comes from the fact that we are like in an atrophied state, like we're so not used to exercising certain muscles or having time for certain things in our spiritual life that we just get used to them always being so minimal or absent that we're, we're really longing for that to be back to any kind of semblance of normal. So I think the reason we always are open to it growing is because we know it should be somewhere where it's not. And so whatever that is for you, whether it's spiritual reading, getting to an extra mass or confession each week, you know, the sacramental life uh, being part of your prayer life, daily prayer, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever that might look like, doing something like a daily examine or a daily rosary or a daily chaplet or praying the Angelus or whatever, setting alarms on your phones, scheduling that time in your calendar, blocking it off and making it uninterruptible time that no one else can meet with you. And I've been doing this for a while now and no one has been like, well, why not? Or like, you need to move that, you know? And there may be a very rare instance where it's like, okay, this is a really important thing and I'm going to choose to rearrange some of these other things. But most often, 99% of the time, I can just reply and say, you know what? That doesn't work for me. Uh, let's, I can do a half hour later or I can do, you know, um, this block of time that day and being able to give an alternative that's reasonable uh, but doesn't present myself as someone who can be walked over, arm twisted, or, you know, like I um, am enslaved to the job that I have or the relationships that I have or the other things going on in my life to the detriment of my own mental, physical, spiritual, emotional well-being and the priorities that I want to keep first and foremost in my life as most important. So I know it was a lot. That was on my heart. And I pray that as you're listening to this, you can kind of, I don't know, look at the things in your life and maybe just ask yourself, is there something that I wish that I could say no to that I'm currently saying yes to? There's something that I really wish was no longer on my plate. Is there something burdening me or making me feel like I don't have joy or robbing my joy, robbing my energy? You know, do I dread doing this certain thing? And really looking at what are some practical ways I could mitigate that? Can I change the way I do this? Can I reprioritize, restructure it? Can I make sure I have more time for the things that energize me and give me life if I really do have to do this thing that I'm not super wild about? But how do I do it in a way that just it gets it done? It doesn't interfere with everything else uh, that, that, that I value. It doesn't get in the way of you know the things I want to prioritize and the people that I want to be spending time with. And just start making some practical decisions, you know, um, and, and if there's more, you know, kind of specific questions you have about how to do that, how to nav navigate that, send them to me. We can always do a follow-up episode on like what are, you know, what's a Q&A of how to set boundaries, you know, in all the different areas of life, your prayer life, your personal life, your relationships, uh, your work life, you know, um, even ministry, you know, not committing to everything, not being the person at church who says yes to everything. Because, you know, there are those people, you might be one of them who, you know, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And anytime there is a new initiative, a new ministry, a new project to happen, we go to the same core group of 10 or 15 people because we know that they can get it done and they say yes to everything. But we should all be contributing to the welfare of the church. Everyone should be sharing their gifts. And we do a disservice to the rest of the community if we never even open the door for them to serve because we're always going back to those people. And those people who commit to everything are doing a disservice to the community by not stepping back and saying, you know what? I don't need to say yes to everything, and other people can step up and do this. 
So whatever it looks like in your life, start saying no this week. Start saying no. Don't explain why. Don't do it angrily or meanly, but do it with, you know, compassion, with gentleness, uh, offering alternatives uh, if, if necessary, but recognizing um, your time doesn't belong to anyone else but you. You get to choose what you do with it, how you spend it, your job, you know, your, how you use your skills, your leisure time, your family. You get to choose how that life looks like for you. And yes, you have to communicate that to certain people in your life, spouse, family, come to that conclusion together, maybe at work with a boss, but like you're still in charge and you can still ultimately um, of, of a job at least walk away. Um, of a family situation, obviously you wouldn't want to do that, but you can uh, be creative in how you set up a routine and how you delegate certain responsibilities, household duties, uh, and how you set up a schedule that works for the success of the whole family and for the general well-being of everyone. So anyways, I feel like I'm kicking a dead horse at this point, saying the same thing over and over again, but I pray that that will help you uh, set some boundaries. So maybe I need to set a boundary and just end this uh, episode so I can get to the other stuff I got to get done today. So I'm going to do that. God bless you. And I'll see you in the Eucharist. Bye.